from Vistio. This is recorded for Quality Assurance. A show where we talk to the world's leading CX experts about industry trends, CX technology, and transforming customer support into a streamlined strategic advantage for your business. Welcome to CXQA Live, where we discuss all the most important elements and strategies to create successful CX call center operations. We'd like you to know that we are, in fact, recording this time for Quality Assurance. And by that, of course, we're referring to our podcast, which is called Recorded for Quality Assurance, made out of the content from today's time. So this week on the show, we're talking about the impact of today's labor realities on both agents and leaders in CX. And joining us, we have the infamous Corey Kosteka with Remex, a company that provides labor to the CX industry. Welcome, Corey. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Yeah, I, I said infamous. You're not really infamous at all. You're just really great. So we're really glad you're here. And uh, we actually got to meet you through the show. And so it's kind of fun to have you on the show for a lot of reasons. But as you know, on CXQA Live, we believe that agents are the single most important asset in CX operations. And, and as part of that, we talk about how agents with the right training tools and connection with a company are going to be a revenue protection and growth center for that business or brand. They're going to be an amazing diagnostic tool for the business or brand to understand what's actually going on with customers. It's going to be a scenario where those agents can uh, ensure the customers are delighted and engaged and satisfied. Agents that are more connected and have the right training and tools with their company are going to produce more and better work. And they're going to want to stay and contribute to the long-term success of that company. And this is what we call the agent-centric call center philosophy. And uh, it's not any new ideas in there, really. It's just putting things in one set of thinking that allows discussion and and hopefully growth and improvement across CX organizations through the discussion. So uh, this week specifically, we're talking about labor and, and labor realities across the economy are shaping customer experiences in all types of settings. I know I've been to many restaurants since everything opened back up through the pandemic and you know we'll be sitting there on a 30 minute wait to find a table while you're staring at a bunch of empty tables right and and my kids just do not understand like but there's a table right there dad and and yeah well it's frustrating for adults too but at the end of the day there just aren't enough people to work that are willing to work in the scenarios that the economy is offering right now and so there are so many unique labor dynamics across the economy and I would say, if anything, contact centers have been impacted more severely than most aspects of the economy. You know, the shift in labor dynamics that we've seen over the last two years literally just never happened before. And, and so you, you've got the increasing prevalence of work from home, which means, you know, people don't have to interrupt their life, uproot their families in order to change jobs. And, and call center work is increasingly work from home compatible and really was one of the industries using work from home as a main backbone of a large percentage of operations before the pandemic. And so it's only expanded. And, and that is one of the reasons that it, the agent has more options in his or her career than ever before. And on top of that, there's a, a much more friendly environment for any job applicant that has had more jobs in a recent time period 
and they're less likely to be viewed as a disloyal job hopper than they were even two years ago. And so all of this has led to unprecedented labor realities. And and so, Corey, we're really glad that you've joined us. Welcome again. And, you know, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about what Remax does for the CX industry. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, thanks again for for letting me join. I really appreciate the opportunity. I've uh, been a fan of your guys' series, although I'm, you know, recently new to your guys' show. I think you guys provide incredible content that's just very relevant and it's very genuine. You're here to help people. So huge fan, highly suggest tuning in um, every thanks, week. But, yeah, I work with Remex um, through our contact center solutions division. Remex is a part of EmployBridge. We're the largest staffing company commercially in the United States, but my division specifically focuses on contact center. Um, one thing that we understand is that every the secret to every high-performing contact center, it comes down to the people, right? There's people, there's processes and technology. We focus 100% on the people. We partner with over 300 contact centers throughout the U.S., staff for those in-office and remote positions. But, you know, we look to just create customized workforce solutions to help people reduce turnover, increase their efficiencies, and just get you the right talent in the door. Well, I mean, you guys are right in the pickle barrel of what we're talking about today. I mean, you you literally live at the intersection of all of the the roads that that really cross when it comes to the labor dynamics. So, you know, I'm just going to ask you, Corey, what what trends are you seeing in CX labor right now, and what are the implications of those trends for both CX agents and CX leaders? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of trends or, you know, these buzzwords that are floating around that I'm sure you guys are familiar with, like the silent quitting, the ghosting during the interview process. And then something fairly new is the stay interview. Don't know if you guys have heard of that one yet. Um, I haven't. Can you, can you explain that one? I haven't heard of that one yet. Yeah. The stay interviews are just, you know, instead of that exit interview of how can we get better? I know you're going to a new opportunity. A stay interview is, I understand that you're looking for other opportunities. Let's sit down and have a conversation that isn't around performance, but what are you as an agent looking for that would make you want to stay here? And can we make those adjustments? So, you know, the market's kind of shifting to become more agent focused. And that's something that's brand new that you'll see popping up of, you know, we're not letting you go, but we'll have that stay interview with you to see what it's going to take. But all of these trends that you're hearing are direct result of just this tight labor market that we're in. Right now, you're seeing that for every one candidate that's looking for a job in this space, there's going to be two openings. So what does that mean to the candidate? That means that they have options, like you said at the beginning. Now's the time where you can really kind of pick and choose where you want your career to go, and those options are available. But what does that mean from the company side of things with that tight market is you have competition out there that's trying to steal away the people that you know, you're know you trying to attract as well as the people that are already currently working with you. So you know, there's that fine line between the unemployment, where do you want it to be? You know, if on one side of it, the company says, hey, we have hundreds of people to choose from. But, you know, on the other side of it is, hey, as a candidate, we have hundreds of you know, companies to choose from of where we want to go and land our career. So you, it's important that, you know, you got to understand if the unemployment rate is high or low, where you stand as a company and an agent, just becoming familiar with the market to understand how you can leverage, you know, whatever side you fall on, how do you leverage that to your advantage? Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. And and I, I think the thing that encourages me the most out of what you said is a pattern, you know, with the leverage sort of shifting a little bit to the agent companies are starting to listen more to agents, even creating this idea of a stay interview of saying, 
hey, we recognize that there's at least a good chance that you're shopping around for a new opportunity, but help us understand what would make a difference for you here and how could we keep you? And, and hopefully what they're learning from that is what is actually going on in the mind of the agent in general and, and learning to adapt processes, training, technology, all those other things more towards the needs of the agent to help them be more efficient and more satisfied in their work. So I know I don't like when, you know, I hear stories of people that are, you know, being asked to perform differently, but there isn't a, an understanding uh, of what it's going to do, what's going to take to help that employee to perform better or to increase efficiencies or whatever it is they're looking for. Um, so I guess I want to kind of focus in on the company side for just a minute on, on CX leaders, because more CX leaders right now are trying to figure out their labor problems. Why do they have so high a turnover rate? You know, why is the training time what it is? You know, there are so many variables uh, that are impacting the bottom line. And, you know, the bottom line really drives the decision-making that happens in companies. So if you're a CX leader, given the tight market for labor, given the opportunities that uh, agents have to switch up their career, you know, change jobs. What can CX leaders do to position themselves to attract the right kind of agent? And I'm not specifically talking about retaining them here, Corey. Specifically, how can a CX leader position his or her organization to attract the right kind of agent that's going to provide maximum value for their organization? Yeah, um, I wish we had eight hours, you know, to be able to have this conversation because there's so many factors that go into it. But what I think is most important when you're, you know, trying to decide what can we do as a company to attract the right people, you first have to understand, well, what is the agent looking for? You know, let's get into that agent mindset to kind of, you know, what does that application process look for? You know, when they're going to search for call center job, what, what's all out there? And you really just have to understand what's in the brain right now of the agent and, you know, how can I really connect with their needs to make sure that I'm satisfying those when trying to attract them to my job? So, Something unique that we do at Remex, because we have thousands of call center workers working on assignment through us at our clients is a couple times a year, we like to give out what we call our voice of the hourly worker survey. And what this does is this allows us to kind of get inside of the mind to see what's most important to the agent right now in this current market that we're in. So I brought a couple data points that I thought I would share um, the, of a report that came out earlier this year. We asked our candidates, what's the most important thing to you when looking for a job? And, you know, this might not be a shock to some people, but 35% of them said it's the pay is the most important thing to attract them to the job. But what's really interesting about this statistic right here is that if we were to compare this to last year's survey, the number one most important thing was I want a remote job. So we can see that, you know, now that remote's this huge thing and it's it's common everywhere, that kind of that mindset shifted of I need to make sure this is remote. It's I need to make sure the pay aligns with what, what I'm looking for. Um, behind pay, 14% of people said they are looking for job security. And 13% of them said shift flexibility was most important to them. Um, so, you know, something to keep in mind that I think, number one, if you're looking to attract people, it seems obvious, but make sure you have a competitive pay rate. Make sure you understand what your local market's paying for if you have an in-office requirement. And then if you're hiring remote, make sure you do your research to find out what, you know, geographical areas could I 
get the most for my dollar when I'm spending it. There are certain cities out there, certain areas you should look for, certain time zones. And, you know, all those factors are very important when deciding what your pay rate should be. Another huge piece of that is being able to list kind of what your incentives are and those increases that you can get or career advancement. You know, I see a lot of companies put job postings out there and it's all about me. It's my company's been in business for this long. We're the best. We're family owned. But it's never what's in it for you as the candidate. And no one really does that good job of listing all the benefits that, you know, the candidate would want. And that's extremely important. Um, So kind of going off of that pay piece of it. Um, we had a statistic that said 47% of our candidates expect a pay increase that's directly correlated with their performance, like their attendance, their KPIs, where, you know, a couple of years ago, people would say, I expect the annual raise, or, you know, when I learn a new skill or get a new responsibility, I think I deserve that raise, where now it's, if I'm performing this week and I've showed up every single day, I expect that one to $2 increase for this pay period. So being able to not only implement those, but explain them in your job postings and the interview process is huge because in today's world with the younger generation coming in, it's all about instant gratification. It's if I do something now, I expect results now. If I order something on Amazon, I want it on my front door. It's this very quick, when I do something today, I want to see those results tomorrow. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's not even just limited to uh, generation. You know, I we, we talk about in B2B buying, how B2B buying patterns and mentalities are more and more shaped by, you know, the B2C experiences that we all have as customers. And you know, if you're looking at two different products on Amazon, you're going to look at seeing the quality and number of reviews. You're going to look and see how quickly it's going to come, right? And you might choose a product that you're not even as sure about or might even cost a little bit more because they have higher or larger number of reviews or because it can get here tomorrow instead of five to seven days. And, you know, I think the entire economy is being shaped by the experiences that online retail have provided our society. And, and so the, the, the way that we think about even relationships sometimes is, well, you know, that person doesn't have a whole lot to offer me. And I think that's a shame um, because oftentimes when you try to size somebody up or, or even in a relationship between, you know, a prospective employer and employee, you know, what I like to see is companies that they talk about their why as a company and they express their why in a way that a candidate can buy into that and understand that. But then they kind of, like you said, get off of talking about themselves as a company and talk about, you know, the reward of working together as part of this team and, and not just the financial part, you know, not just remote, but the overall sort of lifestyle that is connected to working at a company. And I think the, the the companies that are really making a difference in the marketplace from a labor standpoint, understand that 360 degree holistic view of, of work and what it means to people who, who are potentially going to work for them. I was going to ask you one other question, because I know you're, you've got a more you want to share from the data. Um, specifically, when it comes to this dynamic of the change in the work from home importance in the survey versus the salary kind of showing back up as primary. Do you think that's because work from home or remote work is less important now? Or do you think it's because it's more prevalent and it's something that candidates have to look for less because it's more available? I would say the latter. It's definitely more available. 
So to get somebody to come into your office, you know, I, I think a lot of people would argue, I want to work from home because I can get my life back. I have that work from ballot. So if you're, you know, having someone come into office, there's just way too many work from home jobs now that you're competing with. And unfortunately, you got to pay money to, to make that happen. Yeah, there is a, a dynamic where some companies are trying to force people back into the office without recognizing that you've just told them their life has changed and you're not paying them any differently and you're not, you know, adjusting. And and companies that are trying to figure out a hybrid model, you know, many of them are providing incentives for even down to the specific day for days that people come into the office. And and I think that, you know, the companies that are more in tune with the mentality um, are, are really going to come out ahead in the long run. It sounds like from your perspective, correct me if I'm wrong, there's almost an assumption that some percentage of jobs available for CX agents are going to be remote. A hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for humoring me. Please continue. <laughs> no, but um, besides the pay piece, obviously companies are getting more creative when it comes to those incentives, the sign-on bonuses, but you know that's not realistic forever. That's just because we saw this huge shift and it's, hey, my business is getting hurt. How do we get people in the door? But as we see that kind of, you know, find its equilibrium and, you know, we find the good wage increases, inflation, we kind of get a handle of that, you know, companies are going to continue to have to look at things other than pay when it comes to attracting, such as your culture, you know, what kind of culture are you setting up and in a work from home environment, how are you implementing that culture and, you know, making sure that it's being spread across your agents as well as the technology that you're investing in. You need the right technology in your center to not only attract and retain people, but you know, just to get the most productivity out of your agents right now. I totally understand how companies, you know, at first they were kind of shying away from work from home and now people are trying to quickly get them back into the office. And because there's this trust piece that's missing that when somebody's at home, are they just wiggling their mouse to look active? Are they actually getting, you know, their KPIs done correctly? And, you know, it becomes almost this micromanagement if you don't have the correct technology in place, whether that's, you know, your gamification or Rob, you know, I know you're very familiar with technology and, you know, what kind of solutions that you can offer to a center just to get more out of, you know, your agents. But that is extremely important to look at that if you're going to continue the work from home to stay competitive with attracting, you have to have the right tools in place and your agents will quickly recognize if you don't have those tools in place. Just quick data point here. When we ask people what makes you consider getting a new job or quitting your current one, 41% of people said that it's because I'm being overworked. And a lot of that overwork comes from you, you don't have the processes or technology in place to monitor who's carrying what workloads. And that can cause one of your best, best employees to leave very quickly if you can't get a grasp on that. Yeah, no, that's really good. And yeah, I mean, being a technology vendor for the CX space, you know, obviously, I think in terms of how to provide value, what the long-term connectivity to the bigger business outcomes that companies are looking for would be for, you know, for what we offer. But, but specifically thinking about how the agent is that variable in the middle, right? And, and if the agent's not properly equipped with the right tools and then trained on those tools as well as the processes that are relevant to using them, you know, agents are just not going to stick around. And quite frankly, it's traumatic. And we had a whole episode uh, just dedicated to trauma for CX agents. It's traumatic sometimes just doing your job, just interacting with angry customers or 
with situations that are sticky and complicated and, you know, where things haven't gone as well as the brand would like. And then there's that agent that's the bridge, the link between the company, the brand, and that customer that's going through an issue with the brand. And and to think about an agent that's overworked or not properly trained or not properly equipped with tools or not compensated fairly or incentivized fairly, or maybe the agent doesn't even really believe in the product or service that the company provides because they talk to so many customers who are not served well by the company. Um, you know, all these sorts of elements, you know, not to let the cat out of the bag, but there's a shame there's not a way to measure that. Um, more on that later. But, you know, at the end of the day, these things really have a huge impact on the outcomes that both the customer and the company see out of those conversations and interactions, all these variables. And really, there's no better place to look than to the agents that are using the system, the agents that are in those calls and situations to try to figure out, you know, how do we improve this or what is the problem or what are our growth opportunities, right? And this is where we talk about the agent as a diagnostic opportunity for the business. Um, But, you know, I, I appreciate some of the things that you said that maybe those of us who are in CX, but don't live in labor primarily, we don't really see it this way as much. And interestingly, some of the CX leaders that I've spoken to, they haven't really figured out yet that the leverage is not on their side to the degree that it was. And so they're still offering really low starting pay. They're not really communicating anything other than here's what you'll make. And, you know, we need you to have this requirement or that requirement. And that's all that you're seeing um, for, for some percentage of the job listings that are out there for CX agents. And, and I guess I, I, I want to kind of turn my attention in the time that we have left to really giving some specific advice to the two camps. And I think what we're hoping for out of the conversations that we have here is that the two camps will better align with each other. Right, because you have the CX agent who really has to be thankful that there's more leverage in their court and that there's more options and there's, you know, less negative stigma and impact to their career if they change jobs and you know, all these kinds of things are are very pro-agent. But when the traditional mindset of CX leadership thinks about the cost basis for an agent, they might not be able to justify an increase in pay because agents have have typically provided a certain level of performance, right? And so if we're going to pay more, then we need to see improvements in performance. And that's going to be the leadership mentality in any business. And, and that makes perfect sense to me. So there's this sort of standoff and it just exists, right? So my question to you is this, what advice would you give agents? And then I'll follow up with the uh, the other piece who are actively looking to make a move from their current situation. What should they look for? How should they present themselves? And you know, how should they evaluate the opportunities that are out there for them? Yeah. Um, the first thing that I would say is, do you want to leave? And 
you know, this, this comes to the retention piece that I'll answer your question when it comes to looking for a job and what advice, but first you need to ask yourself, do I want to leave? Or is there just one or two things that are really just causing me to dislike this job? And if that is the answer, I highly suggest you ask for one of those stay interviews and have the conversation mm -hmm. because I can promise you that the grass is not always greener on the other side. And if you're happy with the work you're doing and the customers you're talking to, but you're upset about your shift go talk to your boss because retention is a lot better option than turnover. Companies would rather pay more or make changes to keep you than to have to go hire somebody else and they are open to the conversation. So first off, if you're thinking about leaving or looking for another opportunity, ask yourself why and see if you can have that conversation. Um, but if you've decided, hey, this job's not for me, I need to look for something else, what I would say is, that you have options and you need to keep that in mind and do not accept the first job offer that you're going to get. Companies right now are trained to speed up that interview process. To your point, Rob, you know, we might not be able to offer more money, but other things that they're doing is making extremely quick offers to not allow you to see what their competitors. So if you're an agent and you have the skills that it takes to land a call center job, I wouldn't necessarily accept the first one 100% of the time. You have options, see what's out there. The other piece that I would say when you're looking for jobs is don't get stuck on pay, but ask about that career advancement. Ask about you know the culture, ask about the flexibility. What is that work from home balance? Because there's a lot more things that you'll find that's more important with your job satisfaction than just your pay. Mm -hmm. And you know, I just think that that is extremely important for an agent to, you know, just dive into your options and don't take the first one that you're offered. That's good. That's good. Corey, have you ever used a scorecard for a decision like looking for jobs? You're familiar with that concept? I've heard of them. I personally have not used the scorecards, but I think I think more people should. Well, I'm going to quote someone that's very influential in, in, in my professional life, Amy Volos. And uh, I'm absolutely going to tag you later, Amy, in a post about this. But Ultimately, the difficulty comes when you're in a job search of first deciding what is important to you, right? So what I do with a scorecard is I, as I put across the top all the different elements that I'm looking for, and I'll do this in house hunting, I'll do this in any kind of decision where there's a comparative aspect to it. I'll just start with, hey, remote is really important to me. So that's going to get 20 points out of 100. And then if you get remote, then you get, give that particular job you're evaluating the full 20 points. If it's hybrid, you give it 10. If it's not work remote, then you get it zero points. And so when you go through and you add up the different columns, you actually get to a score out of a hundred that is based on facts. It's based on, first of all, what is important to you? What did you decide objectively before you looked at any jobs was important to you in a job? And the second variable is how does each of these potential jobs actually score based on the weighting that I gave the different facets. And, and I found that to be a really helpful tool. And I would encourage agents to be in that position as well. It's going to keep you from getting the warm fuzzies and taking the first job offer, right? Because if you don't even have anything to compare it to, um, then you're not in a good position to make a good decision. And, and especially if companies are trying to speed up that process to prevent people from finding out what's available. And I, I guess there's another scenario because I think you know, the great resignation, some will say, came and went. There are people who probably feel like, darn it, I wish I had made a move uh, while the you know, opportunity was there. I would argue the opportunity is still there um, in CX. It looks like you agree. Yeah. Um, 
But for those who are fairly settled, you know, they don't really have any major complaints, um, but they're generally open. You know, I, I, I've said in the past, you know, I might not be looking to move, but it doesn't mean I wouldn't be open to a conversation. And I think that that's an open way to proceed through your career so that everybody understands kind of how it works. But what advice would you give to somebody who's kind of in that camp right now uh, as far as the types of opportunities that might be worth looking at outside of their current situation? Yeah. Even though I work for a staffing company and, you know, I want my candidates to stay at our clients for as long as possible, I'll be the first one to say there's nothing wrong with trying to better yourself and look for additional opportunities. That is 100% okay. And I would suggest everyone explore it. But when you're going to make that decision of, should I leave my current company? They can't satisfy my needs. I've already had the talk with them, you know, and and I'm settled down. I'm kind of happy here. Let's see what else is out there. I would just keep in mind that having the non-job hopper resume will substantially help you increase your career trajectory and the goals that you're trying to hit. Being at one company for two to three years is way more important on a resume or your future career goals than jumping ship to get that 25, 50 cent raise, you know, in the short term, the raise seems better in the long term, a stable resumes, you know, even better for that. So I would, you know, weigh out those options of it's okay to go look for other opportunities to see what the market's calling for, but do it in a professional way where you're not interrupting your work day, where you're not falling into that silent quitting, you know, category where you're you're disassociated at work because you're trying to find other things, but this one's still paying your bills, so you'll stay logged on. You know, if, if you're not happy, absolutely make the change. But if you're settled in and want to see what's out there, go for it. But make sure that you spend your time wisely doing those searches. And you know, just make sure to keep in mind that. If you fall into that silent quitting and you get let go because of performance, that that's going to hurt you in the long run. So just be careful that if you have something that you like, the grass is not always greener and give it a shot and work through those problems. But if you're going to look, just do it in a professional way. That's not going to affect your future goals. It's interesting to talk to someone whose job is to place people in roles where they're going to stay. And you know, that kind of environment, um, you know, appreciate your open-handed thinking and advice. I think, you know, and we're going to end on this, you know, there are a couple of topics and I've said this literally every week, which is good because it means we have lots more to talk about, but there are a couple of topics from today that I would love to zero in on and specifically dedicate an entire half hour to doing it. Uh, Corey, we can't thank you enough for being here, man. Um, you know, you're, you're a like-minded guy and kindred spirit in the industry and we appreciate your goodwill for our industry as well and uh, glad to have you on the show today and uh, i hope everyone has a wonderful tuesday and the rest of your week take care thank you to listen to a recording of this and other episodes visit vistio.io forward slash podcasts. And to join our show live each week, go to vistio.io forward slash CX live.